Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This podcast hasn't even started yet, and I am absolutely 100% certain that it's about to be a legendary one. You know why? Because it's actually going to happen, and it is actually going to be released onto the internet. And nobody gets that joke except for one person, and that person is the guy on the Skype line, Ben Standig. I thought you were going to say this podcast is just starting and it's already an hour and 15 minutes old because. <laughs> yeah. So so here's the deal. So it's it, it is currently, uh, you know, Thursday afternoon. Uh, Tommy Shepard just had an exit interview, uh, an exit interview, a uh, Zoom session with reporters. Scott Brooks had one that followed. They went a combined about an hour and 15 minutes, which is as long as Ben and I went on a podcast that will never see the light of day. Last night at around four in the morning, I filed, <laughs> filed my story at around 2.45 a.m. Been waiting up. We recorded a podcast. We talked for 75 minutes. Uh, I think we were both exhausted. I certainly was. I was rambling like a maniac. I think at multiple points throughout the podcast, I asked Ben, is this a good podcast? Just as part of the podcast. And then once we finished, we realized, wait. They're doing exit interviews in the morning, and we just did a whole podcast about Scott Brooks and Tommy Shepard, and this thing's going to be outdated an hour after it comes out. So I think we have to record another one after they do their exit interviews. So here we are. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we were getting so delirious, I was already starting to... Uh, um, I, I, I was starting to question... Uh, you know, everything from from the Wizards, uh, you know, play against the Sixers to, you know, the meaning of life. It was it was getting deep. It was getting late. And then to 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 to, to shelve it, I think we did made the right call. And at the same time, absolutely, people should be mocking us relentlessly. Yeah, that 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 podcast is up in podcast heaven when the Wizards After Dark Museum comes out. Some some Wizards After Dark historian will find the archive will somehow get it off of my computer and they will put it in the museum as one of those exhibits people can come by with the big headphones, which are now I think of as really germy and dirty after going through a pandemic and I will never go near germs again. Now they take those big public headphones, like when you're at like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you can go by, you can you can choose anyone to listen to, you put it on, you can you can listen to the the one lost legendary podcast. And uh, it's gonna be a great experience for everybody there but not as great of an experience as actually listening to this current podcast because we've got news to discuss. We've got things to discuss for us a second time and for the listeners a first time. Uh, By by the way, have you, I don't know if we're now four minutes into this one and I don't know if we've officially established this. The wizards are out of the playoff. Yeah, the, The wizards. If you listen to a niche wizards podcast and you are unaware about 24 hours after the fact that the wizards lost 129, 112 to Philadelphia on Wednesday night 
then I don't know what to tell you. You're either listening to the very wrong podcast or you're listening to the very right podcast. Uh, so anyway, they did lose. They lost in five to the 76ers. Their season is over. Philly is going to play Atlanta in the second round. We're really just going to talk more big picture stuff, Wizards offseason stuff, look ahead stuff. I'll, I'll let you guys know about plans for the pod moving forward. Just to update people, because the Tommy Shepard podcast was not uh, televised, not broadcast live, neither was the Scott Brooks one. You know, to update you in case you missed stuff or don't know what was said. So, so just running through my notes right now. So, so Tommy Shepard said, you know, Scott Brooks's contract is up after this year. Obviously, uh, he said we're not doing anything about that today. This is Tommy Shepard. Uh, I will say this: Scotty did a hell of a job keeping this team together. Um. Uh, you know, Tommy also said making the playoffs is, quote, no longer acceptable and that, quote, we have to be much better next season and we will. You know, the Wizards had a stated goal this season of making the playoffs and obviously they are wanting to improve on that for next year, as Shepard stated very clearly throughout his 35 or so minute availability today. Uh, he said the Wizards are hoping to have Denny Avdia back and ready for summer league uh, and that he's on track with his recovery. He's about six weeks in. He said it would be about a 12-week recovery. Um, He said that the team is still on the exact same page with Bradley Beal. They have running conversations. He said, we've built this team around Bradley, and that's our intention moving forward. Bradley Beal is obviously entering the last year of his deal. He also said, this is not a run-it-back team. We have to get better. So to do that, you have to run it better. Uh, the Wizards have upcoming guys who who are going to be free agents, including Ish Smith and Howell Neto and Robin Lopez and Garrison Matthews, uh, Chandler Hutchison. Those guys were obviously either staples in the rotation or in and out of the rotation for, throughout the year, but but added a little something to varying degrees. Um, you know, Shepard said that he, you know when asked if he was going to be back next year he said that's up to Ted I'm under contract so it's never been an issue I think there's a lot to look forward to with this franchise as a team we have great people here uh Scott Brooks uh you know has has talked about constantly how he hasn't thought about his contract at all uh Russell Westbrook last night after the game gave Scott Brooks a huge endorsement I would say an enthusiastic endorsement saying if it were up to him, he'd bring Brooks back. Uh, Bradley Beal was more measured in his evaluation of Scott Brooks, but called him a player's coach and said that he's, uh, you know, uh, really appreciated his five years playing for Scotty. It was certainly a positive review of Brooks's coaching. Uh, ben, that's a lot. It's a lot to handle. I, I'm going to play everybody's favorite game called Ben Leads the Podcast. After all that, on top of the fact that the Wizard season just ended and we could talk a little about the Philadelphia series and the Encore product too, where you want to start? Um, uh, boy, where do I want to start? Um, well, I mean, I guess just to put a cap on the season itself, I mean, look, obviously I think all of us who lived in reality understood that Philadelphia was the, the better team, the deeper team, and, and we saw that with in game five, right? No Joel Embiid. And Philly ran away with the game in the second half. They still have, you know, all-star level players and Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris and guys like, you know, um, Seth Curry, Danny Green, who can who could step up um, as needed. And the Wizards had a good start and fell apart. And frankly, it was disappointing that it ended the way that it did. Not with a loss, not with a, not with a five, not in five games. All those things are 
reasonable, except acceptable and to, to various degrees if you're, again, living reality. But to go out like that, a bit of a whimper, especially in that second half, and, and we talked about this throughout the time of the last few weeks, that you know, on the good and the bad, this team is often goes with Russell Westbrook, not in terms of whether he's making shots or 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 or, or making the right plays, uh, um, you know, with with his passes, but also just sort of the mentality of it. Like, is he is he aggressive? They tend to be aggressive. Or last night, if if he seems to be distracted, they tend to play distracted, and we saw that happen um, a, a, a again. And I think you know, to various degrees, what does that come down to? You know, what, what, does 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 any of this come down to the coaching? Obviously, the Scott Brooks situation is, I mean, the two big. Topics effectively are Scott Brooks' future and I guess Bradley Beal's future, even though on that front, the player has said over and over again he wants to stay. And as you just noted, there's no indication that the team is looking to do anything other than to to keep him. But on the Scott Brooks front, I mean, you know, the, it seems like the primary reason, not necessarily saying the team is saying this, but in the, the way we all talk about it to some degree is the number one reason to keep him is that you know, he and Westbrook have this connection, obviously, that goes back to their OKC days and that you just mentioned that Westbrook, you know, gave a big endorsement of Brooks. And sure, why why, why not? He's out. He's allowed to do what he does under Scott Brooks and other coaches may not feel the same way. We don't know for sure. Right. Uh, how another coach could come in here and say, hey, actually, you know, Russell and Brad, we want to do things a different way. And with Beal, I don't necessarily know that would be an issue, but with Westbrook, it is a bigger variable. It, it is a bigger unknown. The force of nature thing goes both ways. It works as a positive. It can also work against you if, if you don't know how to handle it right. And if the biggest argument for keeping Brooks is simply that he is in tune with Westbrook or allows Westbrook to do what Westbrook does, and that will maximize that player for who's got two years left on his deal, then I understand why the team might feel that keeping Brooks is the way to go. Simultaneously, we saw a game last night and a, and, and a bit throughout the series. It wasn't just yesterday. That is that enough? Is it enough just to let Westbrook do what he does and not really have any seemingly reins on the situation? And Scott Brooks, Bradley Beal talked about Scott Brooks being a player's coach, and there's something to that. But I I said I think I said this last night in the uh, Never to Be Heard podcast that I would I would classify Brooks more as a star coach. He seems to allow his star players to do what's necessary or do what they do. And and I get it. This is the NBA stars rule. But, you know, there are guardrails that need to be out there for anybody. My, Phil Jackson, I don't think necessarily let Michael Jordan do whatever he wanted. He, he, he understood the player. He understood the person and then tried to work with his system, his philosophies within that. And there was obviously a, a respect back and forth. Uh, I just think that the question the Wizards have to ask is if – whether we're talking about what I always say, that they're really kind of just playing for the playoffs, not actually making strides to win the title. Do they think that it makes more sense to, to keep Scott Brooks, knowing you have Westbrook and so on? Or at some point, do you have to say, hey, you know, we need to think bigger. We need to just move forward here, whatever that means, with who we think is the best coach, regardless of that circumstance. I think that to me is, in terms of that role, is the is the, is the real question. If I had to guess, you're not asking me to, but I'll, I'm an idiot. Why not? I would guess if I had to guess, I'm going to imagine Brooks probably stays because Westbrook has two years left. And like I said, you want to maximize that scenario. This is the Wizards thinking, I would think. Um, 
And they just, like you said, Tommy Shepard said, the goal isn't just to make the playoffs, it's to advance further. Well, then how do you do that? And you're adding more variables if you change the coach, even if some of those variables could very well be positive because we've seen five years of this under Scott Brooks and there's been some ups, but there's been a lot of question marks as well. Yeah, I think the positives with Brooks from the Wizards side I think they go beyond just matching up with Westbrook though I agree with everything you just said I just I also think there there are some other things to it as well you know going into the 2019-20 season when Brooks had two years left on his deal so going into last season Brooks has two years remaining on his deal and pretty much everybody just assumed that this was it he'd go through this year and then they would change coaches in the summer of 2020. And that would be it. And then he got extremely enthusiastic reviews from people around the organization after that year. Now, I don't know if Brooks was ever for sure coaching for his job or not. My guess would be that those assumptions were that he was coaching for his job were exaggerated. Uh, that's, that's my feel of the situation, that he was never really coaching for his job. And I remember writing going into that season, everybody just assumed Scott Brooks is a lame duck coach. He could easily still be the coach in 2020-21. I, I explicitly wrote that. And uh, that's what ended up happening. And after that season where the Wizards you know, went into that year and they were prioritizing development over wins, Brooks got very enthusiastic reviews from people around the organization. They really liked how he did from a working with the young guys standpoint. If you remember that season, the Wizards finished, you know, whatever they were, 14, 15, 16th, 13th, I forget what they were in points per possession. Whatever it was, I think everybody who watched them and anybody who knows the team internally or around the league or reporters, viewers, whatever, they outplayed their talent level on offense. They, they, added more movement to their offense, uh, you know, especially going into the bubble, they're 24 and 40. And I, I think a lot of people, the Wizards thought, okay, they out they outplayed their talent level under Brooks and thought Brooks had, you know, a, a, a nice, deserved a nice chunk of chat, credit for, for doing that. Uh, and so I think he had good vibes coming into this year. And then this year, I, I think beyond just the Westbrook stuff, which is obviously true when you've got a guy on a super max contract saying, that's my coach, bring him back, that matters. I don't care how much fans say, yeah, you know, Westbrook is 32 years old, you're really going to bring back a guy just because a 32-year-old who's your second best player wants him back? It, yeah, I mean, that's that's part of having Russell Westbrook. That's part of having a Supermax guy. I mean, that that matters. I We can, you know, you can, you can say it matters less than it it should matter less than it does, but if we're talking about the reality of the situation, it does matter to a degree. It really does. And I think the Wizards' vibes this year were very positive in turning their season around after that 17 and 32 start. And I think the the credit for that turnaround around the organization gets dispersed amongst a number of people. It gets dispersed to the players some. It gets dispersed to the front office who uh, – you know, I think identified the team differently than us on the outside did. And on top of that, you know, obviously Tommy Shepard made that excellent trade for Daniel Gafford, which clearly has worked out wonderfully and was a a really good trade. And Shepard's made a number of really good trades on the margin margins over the last two years. And I think we can talk about him at some point in this podcast too. Uh, but I think they give Brooks a little bit of that credit too, just for fostering a locker room that sticks together 
and doesn't break up, so much of coaching in the NBA is not the X's nose. It's it's not. I don't know what percentage it is. If it's twenty five percent, if it's thirty two percent, if it's forty seven percent, I will confidently say that less than fifty percent of coaching in the NBA is X's nose. Less than fifty percent is the three point guard lineups and the rotations and all that kind of stuff. So much of it is just managing people, managing a team, managing a locker room. Uh, and I think the Wizards disperse some of the credit to Brooks for the fact that at 17-32, they still play hard. They still bought in. I will say that having a team that buys in to C-plus schemes and C-plus X's nose is more important than having a team that doesn't buy in to A-minus schemes and X's nose. And I think everybody would agree with that. Um, and having a team that went out and, and played hard and didn't give up and continued to foster positivity, I think was important for the Wizards. Now, that said, if they were to make a change, they could very easily justify it. Brooks has been around for three years. He just came off of his third consecutive losing season, or Brooks has been around for five years, I'm sorry. He just came off his third consecutive losing season. You know, there were obviously the questions about, you know, lineup choices. Uh, the the defense has, the defense regressed and, you know, it fell off from year one to year two, year two to year three, year three to year four, uh, and then, you know, recovered midway through this year and they ended up finishing 18th or whatever it was in, in points allowed per possession. But it's not like they've been a top half of the league defense at any point. And obviously a coach can have his imprint on that. And he's had multiple assistants running his defense over those five years. Uh, you know, there are there are very valid criticisms here. There are reasons to justify just an infusion of a new personality, an infusion of new leadership. Uh, you know, on top of the fact that Tommy Shepard says this is not a run it back season. Well, their roster is is a little bit locked in. They're going to be over the salary cap. They're going to have the middle level exception to play around with. They're going to have the biannual exception. Uh you know, Shepard is pretty aggressive on the trade market, so I could see him trying to make some kind of trade to upgrade the team elsewhere. But I, there's an argument to be made. The most impactful change that you could make is a coach. If you absolutely hit the nail on the head with an assistant or you're able to bring in, uh, you know, a, a big time retread who is a really good coach and does a really good job. You know, you see what happens in Atlanta, say, when they switch over from Lord P- Lloyd Pierce to Nate McMillan, who I think is a very good coach. And all of a sudden, Atlanta totally turns its season around. Um, and I think there is a valid argument to be made by that. I just I, I think I'm with you. If if I I don't know for sure, I'm not reporting this will happen by any means. Because, you know, Tommy Shepard says today a decision hasn't been made yet and you never know what's going to happen with contract negotiations. You never know what they're going to decide in in their ultimate evaluation of Scott Brooks. But, you know, gun to my head, if I had to make a prediction, a prediction, not a report, just a prediction, not based on sources say or anything like that. I think I think I would predict, uh, you know, that there's a there's a there's a good chance, realistic chance that Brooks ends up back next year. Uh, you know, maybe they match up his contract with Westbrooks or or something else. Uh, but it's definitely realistic Brooks is back. It's realistic he's not back too. So, you know, as with all these things, 
we will see. And as with all these things, I think there is more nuance within the organization about the way to evaluate a coach than there is on social media. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> let's hope so. Man, let's hope so. Um, what, do, what do you think? We, did, we actually didn't talk about this in the, la, in the, la, uh, the uh, lost episode of last night. What do you, what do you think of the job? I mean, Tommy Shepard said, you know, you got to ask Ted when he asked about his future, but he's under contract. He says, um, what do you think of the job Shepard did putting together this roster? What do you think he needs to do this off season? And we don't have to say, go get so-and-so, uh, but you know, more generically, what do you think he needs to do? And what do you think of the job he's done so far in his first two years as GM now that the second season has come to a conclusion? So I always think, and this is one part for me that's incredibly frustrating in talking to most people about these things, is that everything is a black and white situation with no nuance. Like people want to blame whoever the GM is. Obviously, Ernie Grunfeld was an easy target for many years, and some of it was obviously justified. But I always tell people, you keep blaming the wrong person. He's not employing himself. If you don't think that, if you, I mean, you all, we all have jobs, we all have bosses, we all have to do things at times that we don't necessarily want to do. But we, there's a pecking order. You have to do that. So within that, an owner is going to tell a GM in some capacity, here is. Here's the agenda. Maybe it's I want to do whatever we can to win a title or maybe it's, hey, we only have this amount of budget um, and we, you have to work within that framework. I don't want to go over, you know, I don't even want to sniff this amount of money, forget luxury tax or, you know, may, maybe the goal is we, I want to rebuild, you know, trade away the the, the 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 older players or, you know, famously like back in the day when when, when they made the, uh, the Mike Miller trade that cost them essentially a shot at Steph Curry. The, the story was, and I believe it to be true, that the, the owner was saying, hey, I want to try to win now. Don't – I don't – just pick whatever. Make now. So everything that happens, you have to look at it in in some context. And this is where I think people who can be discerning and have, have insight into this or where you should be listening to. I'm not saying I have all the insight or that Fred does, but I think we have a pretty good feel not just for this team but how things work. And I see a lot of people out there who are, who are nonsense. So what I would say there is, is this – that I don't think that Ted, I've said this before. I don't think the goal here is like they're trying to win a title at all costs. Go back to the year when they um, when they were over the luxury tax and then things fell apart with John Wall's injury and they just dumped out on Otto Porter's contract just to get out from the tax without getting anything back for a guy that was the third pick in the draft a few years prior and so on and so on. So my point here is to say I think Tommy Shepard's actually done a pretty good job because I do think there are there's limitations to what he could potentially do the moves he's been making are the ones on the margins the kind i absolutely love fred loves to give me grief on the uh justin robinson scenario that we've talked about a bunch of it's times it's legitimately and, one I mean, of my favorite things to do in life just mention <laughs> justin robinson to you when he signed a 10 day with okc this year it was like i i considered going on 1-800-flowers.com and sending you a gift i understand understand um but like to that end right like i don't no offense to Justin Robinson, the person I've never cared about him. What I cared about is the process. In that case, they aggressively addressed a player who they thought would make sense for them immediately after the draft, effectively a draft pick on some level, then brought him in and then kind of just 
it was an it was an example over the front office and the coaching staff were clearly not on the same page because the coach then starts using guys who you knew had no future. And I don't know what Justin Robinson's future was, but that the point was 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 that. And I think that um, Tommy Shepard Hill has made so many moves that are the type of Justin Robinson type moves that I like. I, I always think ultimately say, I understand where it's a, everything is a results-oriented business, and at some point you do have to look at what happened. But to me, all these things typically come down to what was the thought process behind the move that you made, and you know the way they acquired Davis Bertans, where they had you know the Aaron White who was stashed overseas. They used that asset to move for to 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 acquire um, a player who obviously turned out to be very effective, regardless of whether we, he's overpaid now, or whatever. But like getting Davis Bertans was a steal. Um, obviously, the Daniel Gafford deal, similar deal, right? Clearly, the, the front office and the coaching staff not on the same page with what Troy Brown was or is or how to use him or whatever. But okay, he didn't whatever. He moved on and turned it into a pretty heck of a player in Daniel Gafford. I mean, you know, he wasn't the 15th pick in the draft that year, but you know, I don't think anybody would argue if this was the 15th pick in the draft, you would say, "Wow, the Wizards did really well." with that pick. So he's done really nice things on the margins for sure that have helped build up the roster. And that's how you ultimately win. If you have the pieces at the top, you you, can, you know, look at any team who has success, you know, it isn't just the stars at the top. It's the pieces around them. And, and um, you know, Toronto is a good example of that. You know, how many guys have they, you know, Fred Van Vliet and others have turned into starters or very good players. So I think Tommy Shepard um, uh, starters and very good players coming from nowhere, you know, uh, 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 second round picks, undrafted free agents, whatever. So I think Tommy Shepard's shown the, the ability to do a lot of that stuff. We'll see about some of the draft picks, but I think Rui Hachimura at least gives you some reason for optimism uh, based on what he did this year. And, you know, Denny Avdia, the same, but obviously he's still got a, a ways to go and then he's coming off the injury. So I think he's done a pretty good job. And that's why, like, I if, if something is going to happen here and Tommy Shepard is staying on as the GM, I hope he has a much larger say in the coaching search than I kind of imagine he does because of the fact that, like I said, I think Ted Leontis is, look, he is the owner. He is ultimately going to make the decisions. That's not a knock on the owner. It's just a matter of what parameters are you putting on the other people. And I think Tommy Shepard's done enough to warrant having the say in what's going to happen. And I don't, maybe that means keeping Scott Brooks. He was here when they hired Scott Brooks. So I'm not saying that would mean there would be a change. I just hope, I think he's done enough for me to say he should not only just stay, but he should have a bigger say. I'd rather have him making the decisions than the owner. Um, that probably would go for any sport. It's not just about Ted Leonsis thing. Um, I cover the football team, so you know that's my mindset. Um, so, yeah, so that would be my thought. I think he's done, by and large, a pretty good job. I didn't even mention signing guys like, you know, a, a, a Raul Neto. You know, Garrison Matthews looks like a player. Um, you know, the, the, they've done it. I mean, you know, Robin Lopez was effective. Like, almost everything they did was, was pretty solid. They just didn't have necessarily – oh, even the Westbrook trade, right? I mean – you know, a lot of people never thought they would trade John Wall. They did, took a big swing, and ultimately Westbrook paid off. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. There would have been two more years on somebody's contract anyway, either Wall or Westbrook, and now they have the better player, and now they just have to, you know, kind of see how that all goes. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Adding to the Shepard Brooks thing, I mean, they, I think they have a very close relationship off the court as well, and they share an agent too. So they're they're professionally, they're personally connected in, in multiple ways. Yeah, as for as for the marginal moves, I I agree with you, uh, and that kind of stuff is going to become very very handy this offseason because he's going to have to make some moves like that in order to make the upgrades that he wants. You know, he talks about how the playoffs are not the goal next year, however he phrased it, and and how that's no longer acceptable. They have to they're not going to run it back. They're going to get better. But the way their cap finances are set up, it's hard for them not to just run it back. They're they're not like totally and dangerously close to the luxury tax line. I would be very surprised if they went into the luxury tax at any point next year and they'll be able to use their mid-level exception. But if they use the full mid-level exception, which I think they will, they're going to come pretty close to the luxury tax. They can't. Let, let me let, let me ask you a question. There's been a lot of talk about UFO sightings in the news recently. 60 Minutes did a whole thing. What would be more surprising that we we find out that we have made contact with an alien life form or the Wizards went in luxury tax? Because I know what my answer is. I mean, I think. It's more likely that I attend E.T.'s bar mitzvah next year than that the Wizards go into the luxury tax. Uh, now I'm trying to think what 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 uh, ha- how he would do in that scenario because you and I have gone through that that uh, that that's interesting. All right, let me I'll think about that. <laughs> so so no, I don't think the Wizards are going into the luxury tax next year. Uh, nor really should they go into the luxury tax. I mean, a team coming off a 34 and 38 season doesn't go into the luxury tax. I mean, that just that pretty rarely happens. And when it does, it's really considered kind of front office malpractice from, you know, the way owners look at it. You know, I, I did a story at the very beginning of the 1819 season when the Wizards entered the season in luxury tax territory and they got off to that six and 12 start. That was the year that John Wall had the surgery for the bone spurs then tore his Achilles shortly after. But before Wall even got hurt, they were 6-12. and 12. And at some point during that start, I don't remember if it was when they were 6-12 and 12 or whatever, I wrote a story about the only teams ever to be over the luxury tax and finish under 500. And if you, you know, the first year or two of the luxury tax, it was amazing. Like half the league went into the luxury tax. It wasn't a progressive tax and you just paid what you were over. So like if you were $700,000 over the luxury tax, you just paid $700,000 and that was it. There wasn't progressive. There was no repeater tax like there is now. Uh, it wasn't nearly as, uh, it wasn't nearly as daunting a financial task as it was to go into the luxury tax. So you had like literally more than half the league in the luxury tax when it first started in the early 2000s. Starting around whenever, 04, 05, something like that, only seven teams in the league finished under 500 and paid the luxury tax. And six of those teams were Isaiah Thomas Knicks teams. Another one, the other one was the 
2015 Nets, two years after the KG Paul Pierce trade when they re-signed Darren Williams and all that stuff. And those are the only teams ever to finish 500 and be, uh, uh, you know, significantly into the luxury tax. I forget what I called significantly into it. I'll look up that story and refresh my memory. Anyway, so that being said, the Wizards are. It would be a historic if the Wizards kind of even stayed the course to a degree, maybe finished around 500 or so and went into the luxury tax. It would be relatively unprecedented in NBA history. Uh, so that's that's really something to keep in mind when we talk about all this. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean they can't make any moves. They, they're, they're also hamstrung by the fact that they're over the salary cap. It's not like they can go out and, you know, for some reason, I keep seeing DeMar DeRozan all over Wizards Twitter. And it's like, it's not like they can just go out and spend $20 million on DeMar DeRozan. They're over the salary cap. That's Well, he was meant, I mean, he was, I mean, he was mentioned on the, on the post-game show last night. My, my God, if you want to set basketball back, put him and Westbrook on the same court with a center who's not shooting threes. Oh, Lord. No. Yeah, take Pass. the ball out of Beal's hands. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm out. I, not, to, not just counting DeRozan on the player. I'm just saying on this team, that's not a thing. You need a shooter or as we just, you know, I was going to say as we discussed yesterday, but actually the world doesn't know we discussed it. The idea of, the, you know, uh, you know, you know, you, they need a, a wing defender. They also need shooting. Is it conceivable to afford both? Your point yesterday was probably not one, a, a, not in one player because of the market and th- this, that, and the other. But um, yeah, they, they they need a shooter or they need um, a defender. They don't just need a guy who can score. They have that. They need these other things. Yeah. But so anyway. getting getting back to my original point, which is the Wizards don't lack every tool. Like I said, they have the mid level. They have the biannual exception, which is cheaper, but you can get a rotation player for it. I mean, look, they signed Howell Neto to a minimum contract, and look at what he did. He was he was great for them. He's not getting the minimum this summer. I'd be really surprised if he did. He was he was really good for them this year. I think he very clearly proved himself to be better than a minimum player this year. But that being said, they're they're gonna have to find diamonds in the rough, whether in free agency with a Neto type minimum deal or with a Gafford type of trade. Uh, that is this is when Tommy Shepard's ability to make these moves on the margin that have consequence that add a rotation player here and a rotation player here that will matter because speaking more generally about this when people talk about the issues the Wizards have they tend to say one of a few things if I ask you the biggest issue the Wizards have you might say three-point shooting you might say defense you might say that they don't really play, have any wings in their rotation. They didn't use any big wings during their playoff rotation. Rui Hachimura is not a wing. He's a four. He has to play the role of a wing. He has to be a pretend wing. He has to masquerade as a wing because the Wizards don't have a wing. Uh, and, you know, that was Denny Avdia, and, and he doesn't shoot threes. And to me, I think the biggest issue, you can make a reasonable point that any of those things are their biggest issue, and you're not wrong. But to me, the biggest issue is kind of a more macro one, which is most of their players, especially moving forward, are one-way players. They just don't have a lot of two-way players. And many of the two-way players, Howell Neto, Robin Lopez, those guys are free agents. So now you're stuck, and I don't think Neto is going to cost you the minimum again. I don't think you're just going to be able to bring him back for the minimum. Robin Lopez, they signed for $7.3 million on a one-year deal. At the time, that contract was 
I would say more criticized than not for the salary number. Uh, turned out to be totally fine. Robin Lopez was good for them on both sides of the floor. That was a perfectly reasonable contract, and they were better for having Robin Lopez this year. I think everybody would agree after he hookshotted the entire league to death for an entire season and turned into one of the most efficient low-post players in the league who played a decent volume. Um, you know, they those guys are not going to come back for the minimum, and you don't have bird rights on them because they were there for a year. So you've got to find ways to bring in someone who can play both ways at basically a discount cost, whether through free agency, through a clever trade. They were able to do it with a Gafford trade. Uh, it's not easy. It takes shrewd maneuvering by a GM. You have to do a really good job. Shepard has made moves like that before. He's found diamonds in the rough. And that's why I think his ability to be able to do that is extremely important this offseason. Because while the tools are not absent, they're relatively limited. And they need more than just what limited tools can provide if they are going to build on this season and really propel next year into a different tier of the Eastern Conference. Um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, not, not to sort of uh, t- turn the, the, the subject, um, but like um, we'll obviously we'll have a lot of time to discuss, or you will at least, um, to discuss the offseason stuff. I will just say this, you know, people come here for my positive outlook on life. <laughs> um, so let me let me let me try that. The Wizards, in order to be the eight seed, this is not breaking news, but they did go what seventeen and six over the last twenty three games. They had a, five, a better than five hundred record for the last you know larger stretch of the of the season. And obviously, we know all the things that went wrong for them in the first half of the year, which is not an excuse, but you know, between Westbrook's injury, the COVID. Uh, take COVID taking them off the court for X amount of days, all, all these things. Right. So like there was a lot going wrong and they overcame it in the end. And, you know, at a very end of the day, like, why do we all care about this stuff? You know, it's a, it's entertain entertainment in a lot of ways. And the wizards were very entertaining the end of the year, not so much in the playoffs against the Sixers, but you know, there were some moments here and there. Um, that's not nothing. I was very concerned, as we discussed a hundred times in the beginning of the year, that if Westbrook has hit a wall and he wasn't just hurt, uh, then wow, what's going to happen here these next two years? There's something to be said for watching entertaining basketball, and with Russell Westbrook, you get that. You keep Bradley Beal, and he continues to ascend. He is still only 27; he turns 28 uh, later this month. Um, you know, we'll see what, what, where he goes next with his game. Like, it's not the worst thing in the world. To be to be to have an entertaining product, and to that end, I think the Wizards became one of the more entertaining teams in the league. And if they can keep that up, you know, it's not the worst way to spend two and a half hours of of, of your life, uh, you know, every other night, you know, during the winter uh, months. But you know, we're just talking about if you want, and if you want to, if you can keep your head in that space, I think you'll probably enjoy the product as they put out, whether Scott Brooks is the coach or not. But if you want to view it from the other perspective of, well, wait a minute, I've been paying attention to this team for decades. And at some point, shouldn't they be it shouldn't be more than just entertainment. Shouldn't they actually really contending for something? Um, you know, there was a, a brief moment there with with Wall and Beal where you thought, hey, maybe they could take another step. Of course, you had the Le- LeBron James uh, blockade. But OK, at least there was sort of hope there. And I think on this on the, the problem where, where the team is now is it doesn't feel like there's hope that ceiling feels pretty hard. It doesn't feel like that there is that significant upside. I guess if you tell me Rui Hachimura makes a big leap or whoever this you know rookie comes in is, is a, 
is a big thing, or maybe like this mystery uh, two way wing they get is the is Trevor Ariza from 2013, and you know all of a sudden that's a great compliment. Things can happen in life. It's not an absolute, but in general, it does feel like sort of the ceiling is capped on how high this can go. And I think that's part of like the overall frustration out there with the fan base. It's just like eh, to what what's the point? So, like I said, if you can live in the world of hey, this is this was fun. I enjoy Russell Westbrook in my life. Bradley Beal has continued to improve, and wow, it's been fun to watch his journey here. Um, I would argue he's the best player in Bullets Wizards history since they won the title in totality at this point. Not saying at peak, but in totality. That's not nothing. Uh, but, you know, just at the same point, you know, keep those championship hopes and dreams, you know, locked up because I don't think that's realistic anytime soon. And I think that's the part that's frustrating for so many other people is like, at what point do the Wizards actually make those moves to get into that mix rather than just saying it's not enough to make the playoffs? Sure. Great. But what does that actually mean? Do the Wizards have an opening for a head of marketing by any chance? Because I, I feel... I feel like you just earned yourself the job with your new slogan, the Washington Wizards. It's not the worst way to spend two and a half hours of your life. <laughs> <laughs> if we if, if we put out if we put out both of these podcasts, it would be sort of the same me- the same exact uh, message. We have right? we have literally podcasted. <laughs> we have actually podcasted for two hours about the Wizards over the last. 12 hours or so <laughs> what lives we live yeah I, I will just say this because i know what we have to go because i have to go do something um but i just want to say uh you know fred's always very nice to me he lets me come on here every week and and spout off here and you know i know it helps his cause but regardless he he, he allows me to do it and he says nice things about me on twitter and uh you know that's all great um but like fred does a really good job covering this team and i hope i assume if you're listening to this podcast you guys appreciate that and what he does um you know i i, I will i will say i will say this in all honesty i've never said this to fred before you know when they brought fred on to be the wizards guy i was kind of like oh what the f- can i can I, I whatever what the hell like I'm, I'm sitting here right i mean i'm i'm, I'm covering this team what well, who's this guy Fred Katz, what what the hell? And, uh, you know, whatever. And then, you know, I started reading yourself. I'm like, oh, he's actually pretty good. Oh, he's actually pretty insightful. Oh, he's actually funny. Oh, damn, he's nice. God damn it. All right. So, like, it made sense to me why somebody at The Athletic decided we want him on our world. And and and, all, and it's good. And I think the Wizards, the Wizards world has been better off for it. So, uh, you know, I pre- just want to say I appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast that, that you, that, you know, I, I do talk about them on my own at times, but not obviously that's not the main point of that podcast. So I appreciate the opportunity to do it and to do it with somebody who actually knows what he's talking about and gives a shit that both of those things are important and they're, they're rare, uh, rare commodities days. So I just want to say that. that's very kind of you to say. And uh, I think people should know that Ben has absolutely I think I've said this on the podcast before, but that Ben has absolutely no professional obligation to do this podcast and does it out of some combination, the goodness of his heart and his his fire burning passion for talking about the Washington wizards, which is a, a blessing for me and a curse for him. So <laughs> I, I always appreciate you having, you know, having you on the podcast and how much you help out. Uh, and we're talking about this, like we're never doing the wizards after dark ever again. When in- well, you know, it's sort of, that's we're putting the cap on the season. Whatever happens going forward is something else. So yes. we're just, you know, the wizards, it's a, it's just putting a capper, on what happened yeah there's plenty more to discuss in in one way or another but um the 2021 season is in the books as far as the washington wizards go. yes it is and uh the wizards after dark 
is hardly in the books. We're obviously in the books with post-game shows because there are no more post-games to do. Uh, it was fun for the seven postseason games while they lasted. Uh, but back to more of a regular off-season schedule now, uh, starting next week. If you remember last year during the off-season, did a bunch of podcasts, you know, just once a week. We'll be doing draft preview stuff. I'm going to have Michele Berra and Andrew Schlecht on for those similar pre-draft podcasts that I did last October and September leading into last year's draft. Going to do those again because I thought those were really fun and insightful and those guys are awesome. Uh, going to be doing free agency stuff. Obviously, we're going to talk about Beal's future, which we didn't really get into much on this one. He's entering a contract year. You can read all of my stuff, Ben's stuff, everybody else's stuff. If you sign up for a full subscription to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark, you can sign up for $3.99 a month, a full subscription to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark. Tell your friends about Wizards After Dark. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Leave a review, a written review, or five stars on iTunes. The written reviews are always super helpful. I'll be back with a new episode next week. I'll talk to you guys then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.